All right, today's podcast, I sit down with Brian and Hope, a couple here in Los Bariles that have been living here for over two years. Let's learn where they come from, why they call Los Bariles home. I met him over a year ago at the first annual Sinathon, and then saw him again last month at the second annual Sinathon here in Los Bariles. You're really going to like the both of them. Take a listen. I wanted you guys on as guests because the past two years, we've been seeing each other at the Sinathon, and you were hiding this year, <laughs> but you were there. You just yes. told me you were there. Um, but you guys have been permanent residents here for how long? Um, when I retired from the military. So in Dece- uh, December of 21 is when we moved here full time. Mm-hmm. Coming from where? Uh, so we were houseless. So we just moved where the military sent him. And so we had- Did you say Germany? Germany. Germany. Alemania. Yeah. yeah. Huh? We had, um, that had been our last duty assignment. So it was actually quite a journey um, because before Germany, we'd been in Tampa. So I retired. My retirement ceremony was in October of uh, 21. Mm-hmm. We left Germany. We flew to Tampa, got our stuff that had been left in Tampa from when we went to Germany. Drove from there up the East Coast to ended up in Ohio where her Jeep was, bought a trailer, put her Jeep on the trailer, then drove to Oregon where the rest of our stuff was and where I'm from originally. Right. Um, took her Jeep off the trailer, bought another trailer to go behind her Jeep, enclosed the car trailer that her Jeep had been on, put all our stuff in it, and then drove to Mexico. That's crazy. And mm. that was two years ago? Yeah, two years ago, the same time. Yeah. But by way of originally in Germany. Germany. How long were you guys living in Germany? That go around was 18 months. Yeah. So altogether, we lived over there for about five years. But that, on that deployment, it was 18 months. And you were working while in Germany? That go around, I was volunteering right. at the clinic on base due to COVID. Mm. So. Oh, so you were there during COVID, mm-hmm. the yes. beginning of COVID. We actually, um, when we left Tampa to go to Germany... We landed in Frankfurt Airport the day before, or the day it was declared an um, international pandemic, and they closed the airport the next day. So when I reported to work, my boss, uh, General Bernabe, had COVID. General Cavoli had been exposed and was in quarantine. And they're like, I'm there. No one knew I was coming. And, and they're like, go to Stuttgart, go to our higher headquarters, get plugged in and figure it out. And I'm like, Roger that. <laughs> but you were already on your way out, right? Uh, at that point, at point, we knew that I would be, it would be my final assignment. Yeah. Okay. We weren't sure how long we'd be there. Um, it was a, initially a one-year order. And then it, got it was extended. six months. Well, oh, we went right. for six months. Uh, and initially, then... it was a six-month order. And then, um, and then they extended me another year. Okay. And, but you guys had been together for a number of years already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. were uh, somewhere around... Well, 20 years together? Pretty close. Yeah, about 20 years at that time. Yeah. So you were military for how many years? So a total of 36 years in the military, 14 years active duty, and the rest in the reserve. Okay. And with, with 10 of those 14 years being the last 10 years of my career. Okay. Yeah. And what parts of the world were you in, aside from Germany? Um, so um, 
the places that, that we could go together were Italy and Germany. Uh-huh. And then I was also stationed at Fort Bragg and at um, McDill Air Force Base. So at that time, my, my specialty, if you will, was logistics for special operations forces. And then prior to that, I had been in Kuwait, um, Afghanistan, uh-huh. and then I'd spent an extended amount of time in Kyrgyzstan. Um, and then I'd done a number of trips to Uzbekistan as well, but wasn't, was never stationed there, just um, was doing some, some training missions with the government there. Wow. And you were telling, before we started recording, that you actually made it up the ranks from the bottom yeah. to pretty high up. Yeah, it's always, always funny. You know, whenever you meet someone else in the military, one of their first questions is like, oh, what rank were you when you retired? So I retired as an 05, a lieutenant colonel. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm proud of. What I'm proud of is the fact that I joined as an E1, which is the absolute lowest rank. In fact, we call them fuzzies because on their uniform, it's just the soft side of the Velcro because they don't have any rank to put on their oh, uniform. Yeah. <laughs> so we the call bottom. them fuzzies. Um, and uh, so that's what I'm proud of is that I started as an E1. And, and work my way up, ultimately going to officer candidate school, getting commissioned, and, and then continuing my career from there. So if you're 36 years in the military, traveling around the world, how do you guys meet? On a ski trip in Whistler. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know the story already. You just told me minutes ago. <laughs> I'll let but... you tell uh, the story. I already. had just moved to Oregon, um, didn't know a lot. From of Ohio? From, uh, well, I was in Arizona before that. Okay, all right. <laughs> but... Um, Met a coworker I worked with. She invited me on a ski trip. I said, heck yeah. All I had to do is share a room with um, another person who was single, and we've been together ever oh, since. Oh, that's not this guy, is yeah. it? Yeah. All right? Yeah. And so you, that's how you guys met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you were telling me in 2005 you got married. Yeah. Right? And then you started globetrotting with yeah. him with his work. Or were there that, times where no, you that, wouldn't? When I met him, he wasn't doing military. Okay. He was in what the... It's called the inactive reserve. Okay. So basically, you're a name on a list somewhere. Um, at the time, I had went back to school and I was working on my MBA. And, um, and yeah, so we were just living the normal life, uh, living in Lake Oswego, Oregon, uh, raising my child from my first child or from my first marriage, um, Tyler. But I mean, he's known Hope since he was three years old. So... Um, for him, it's seamless. Yeah. Uh, although there, she's more of like a big, big sister to him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we were just living the normal life. And then um, I worked for Target for a while. And then I left Target and was having a little bit of a like midlife crisis. What do I want to do? You know, now I'm in my mid to late forties. I've got an MBA. I've worked for Target. I've done this. I've done that. You know. But in in some senses, when you're that age, you're not necessarily as desirable to others because they're like, how many more years am I going to get out of this guy before he retires? Right. right. So um, the uh, one thing I had never done was a combat tour. So I volunteered to do a combat tour to Afghanistan and I got picked up to go do this tour and I went and did it. And um, it, it worked out really well. Hope, I mean, it worked out well as far as my military career. It was hard on hope because I was gone for 13 months. Wow. Um, so in fact, we saw each other once during those 13 months and that was on my mid tour leave. I flew to Cabo cause I didn't want to go home because I was afraid if I went home, the two weeks would go by with, you know, cleaning gutters and this and that and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I just wanted to spend time with my, you know, my family. So Tyler and Hope flew to Cabo. She was doing an Ironman race in Cabo. Then I got here the day before a race. She did the race, had a great race. Got was big. that the first year the Ironman was in Cabo? 
I think so. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. So you've done an Ironman? I, I have. Or done, more than one? I've done a few. Really? It, it was a, just a passion. Yeah. So I, before we moved, before we started, or we started globetrotting, that's when I worked full-time as a nurse practitioner, and I trained for Ironman. And I wow. think I did 10 of them in seven years. 10? Yeah. Full dis- 10 full distance. Not, I mean. None of this half stuff. Oh, like, she, uh, has, she would do halves as training. I mean, she's probably done 20 half. Are you still doing? No, no. I did my last year. So just over a year ago, I did the half in Cabo and uh-huh. I'm moving into other things. Yeah. Like trail you, just, running. you just did a C to C, Mar to yeah. Mar. Yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, that was hardcore. <laughs> How hardcore? Uh, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. More than an Ironman. Oh, yeah. The second day, just the second day alone, was farther than the Grand Canyon rim to rim with more elevation gain and descent. Tell everyone about this. Okay. Is it an annual thing? So last year was the first year. um, And so there was only 150 people. This year there was just under 400. We start in Los Barrios on the beach. So you start on the beach here. Mm -hmm. Um, First day was about 21 miles with probably like 6,400 feet of elevation gain. And then you drop down to like 4,800 to San Dionisio uh, area. Um, after that, the next day was the killer day. There were 7,000 feet of elevation gain. It was. So in the first day, you're 6,000 elevation. So you're going up and down. So yeah. you end up back down? Cause... Uh, yeah, there, there was a river. Okay. It's the, a running river um, outside of Santiago, uh-huh. um, just south of here. And then, you know, we slept in tents and then the next morning at 7 a.m. started again through over the, what, the Sierra de la Laguna Laguna, Laguna. Uh um, and came out to another eco lodge and then ran. That was 23 miles. And the last day was 20, 22 miles to the beach in Todos Santos. Holy smokes. And did how many of the 150 participants finish? I don't know. I, people were finishing after dark, and it, it's a gnarly, gnarly course. They make the course for this. It's washes. It's uh-huh. cow trails. And you did it the first year? No, I watched it, and that's where I told Brian I must do this next year. And how did so you finished? How much time do you actually run it, for the three days? So cumulative, it was just over nineteen hours. Uh-huh. But the person who won it did it in ten and a half hours. I know ten. Would there be anyone that would just go straight or no? You every day you're resting. They had beer at the end. But but it was designed each day was start and finish each day. Okay. Um, So it's not one of the the ultra Ultra. runs where they do like 50 miles in one day or something like that. For safety reasons, I don't know if you'd want to here. What time of the year is that? Uh, It was two weeks ago. So it was December 1st through 3rd. And where are you during this? So... uh, I have gotten a lot of experience being a supporter and a fan. So I'm actually out there with my four by four truck. Uh, following? And I, well, I couldn't follow <laughs> them where they ran. I mean, it's, you know, six, yeah. eight inches wide in canyons. But I like drove my truck up to El Coro, uh, which was one of the checkpoints above Los Barillas, uh-huh. was cheering everyone on there as they came <clears throat> through. And then I quickly drove down and then drove down to Santiago and up the canyon there to where the finish line yeah. was. And I just kept doing that each day. Um, back and forth. In fact, I got a bit of a nickname as the sombrero because I had this big, tall, rainbow-colored Dr. Seuss hat yeah. and a foghorn. <laughs> and so there were so many people that came up to me and they're like, 
can I get a picture of you with your hat? And you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, Did you and, buy the hat just for this occasion or yeah, is it in your bag of tricks? It was in my bag of tricks from... Uh, He's from, worn it on many a race. Yeah, from cheering me on. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And will you do it next year? Possibly. Are there Possibly. other kind of... Have you done ultras? No, nah, this is the first thing okay. like this. And so it's, it's just easier to do since we're probably always going to globetrot a little bit, just not with the military. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's easier to just run than bike, swim, and run. Sure, sure, sure. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so you have been coming to Cabo. Mm -hmm. Right. But had you been to Cabo before getting married? Before, uh, before we got married. The first time he brought me to Cabo since... Since we met, I'd never been there before meeting okay. him. All right. So 2006 was the first time yeah. I brought her here. 06, you're vacationing to mm -hmm. the Baja. And then tell everyone how the vacation transitioned into living here. Um, so I've always been a planner. Um, you know, so I... Logistics in yeah, the military. Logistics, exactly, yeah. in the military. I mean, like, short after, shortly after Hope and I got together, I remember asking her, hey, you know, what's your five-year plan? And she's like... What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> plans. You know, and, um, but that's how I think. Uh -huh. So in 2006, uh, we were here. We were staying at uh, El Patio uh, in Cabo. And, um, really? Yeah. And they had this promo that you got a rim car for one day. And yep. we, we called it the pumpkin. It was this tiny little you know, Chevy Sprint or something. The wheels were like 13-inch wheels. It was just meant to like tool around town. Right. But we drove out because I had the rental car map, right? Like what would go wrong with that? There's gotta be an ocean. If I go, if I go east, I'm gonna hit the ocean, right? right. So we're up in the mountains. We go through a little town called uh, Escapita, 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 something like that. Mm -hmm. We uh, we meet this uh, local guy, very, very friendly, as all the locals here are. He puts his tire, his his boot, it's, you know, we're in the ranch country on my, on the tire, and I'm trying to ask him how to get to the to the playa. And he's drawing it with a pen, and he's saying, don't go this way, go that way. And then it dawns on him that that I mean in this car, and right. he just stops. He's like, no. no, no, you can't do that. But we did. You did? <laughs> did you get stuck? No. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. And we found, we got, we got over to, um, uh, the end of the Escapada road where it T-bones into yeah, yep. uh, the Gulf of California and, uh, found a little roadside restaurant with a cardboard sign. And it said, you know, restaurant, we went in there and, uh, they were, they apologized cause the ice didn't come that day. So they had warm beer and the cook didn't come that day. So they had no food. And we sat there and we uh, drink warm beer. Yeah, we drink warm beer. It was delicious. And, yeah, and you you remember the Palm Pilot? You know, Palm yeah, yeah, yeah. Pilot. So I had a Palm Pilot, and it had a map app on it, and I pinned it, and I named it Pig Beach because we saw some wild pigs on the beach. Oh wow! And I said, I want to live here someday. Fast forward to twenty, so that was two thousand six, twenty seventeen. We actually bought our first piece of property two miles from that place. No way. Yeah. yeah. Get out. So yeah. 2017, you buy your first property. Yeah. 11 years later, after that um, sprinter rental car <laughs> adventure, yeah. never got stuck. I can't believe you, I've owned two-wheel drive um, SUVs, mm -hmm. and I've gotten stuck. Yeah. So I'll never have anything but four-by-four yeah. in the Baja. Yeah. Um, in a sprinter? Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's front-wheel yeah. drive, so that's okay. one thing. It's lightweight, so it doesn't sink as much in yeah, front-wheel yeah. drive. But I'm, I've, I've uh, spent my whole life with four-wheel drives and driving. And for people who really do that, it's 80% it's the driver and 20% the vehicle. So, okay. you know, experience you get. You know, I'm I, I didn't That's mean it to sound like That's the most way he ever says it to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> experience. Yes. Experience. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so 2017, you buy your first property. Right. Is that the property you're in right now? 
No. No, we bought seven acres south of uh, Los Frailes. Uh-huh. And we found a community there. We just love the people there. And we're like, we're going to live off the grid. And, yeah, yeah. And. Yeah. <clears throat> but that we, did it, you didn't stick well, with that. Plan. We needed a house. No. To, we knew we needed a house to live in until we built. Right. And I was still in the military. And we were living in Germany. So we had come on vacation to uh -huh. Los Barillas. Uh -huh. we, we knew Los Barillas. We loved it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, we had looked at a house here that Hope was like, not no, but no, no. No. <laughs> it was the windows had gotten blown out in a hurricane like three years earlier. Mm. The owners had essentially abandoned it. Mm. And uh, um, but it was cheap. And so uh, I was in Germany. She was in Oregon. And we're talking one night. And I'm like, hey, you remember that house in, you know, Mexico that I showed you? And you were like, no. I'm like, what if I did this? And what if that? And it would just be temporary. And she's like. Okay, so we bought it, like, you know, over the phone, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, we bought it, and we um, put, put a little money into it, and that was our house. And then through that progression, 2017, from, from October 2016 mm -hmm. until July of 2017, because of my deployments, the Army had given me some time off to, you know, hey, go deep compress, take care of yourself, right. you know, take a knee. So we came down here and lived for, um, what, eight, eight mm -hmm. months, yeah. eight or nine months before we went to Italy? And um, so during that time, that's where we lived. We really became part of the community in Los Barillas. And then we were like, okay, we're not going to move out to the East Cape. We're going we're gonna to live in Los yeah. Barillas. Yeah. So we bought a different lot in Los Barillas. And then once I retired, then that's when we did the container homes that you heard yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. And then we just finished building the retirement home. Okay. Yeah. So what happened to the Frailes property? You sold uh, it? We sold. You yeah. sold it. Okay. Yeah. So we actually sold it to... Uh, a gentleman, uh, Mexican national that's from the mainland, really nice gentleman that is um, working for some resort. I don't, I don't know that it's the Four Seasons, but they they had bought another large piece of land out there and mm -hmm. they were going to build. So he he was like, oh, I'll buy your seven acres. I'll build a little house here because he was going to be here for four or five years while okay. they were building. Yep, yeah. And then so. Yeah. So what's it like the past couple of years living in Los Barriles? Been fantastic. Yeah. You know, we we went from Germany. We, our stuff's been scattered all over the U.S. It, mm -hmm. We haven't had all our stuff unpacked since 2014. Yeah, 2014, which uh, we were living in a container home, so we couldn't still unpack it all. all. But it was all in one time zone. Right, right. <laughs> one time zone. <laughs> um, but, you know, we lived in this cute little, we lived in, what was it, like 280 square feet. Wow. And it was great. Yeah. And... Um, what have you found living here that is so great? For me, it's the community, for sure. Um, in fact, Hope, Hope brought this to mind. She articulated this to, uh, just a week or so ago. We were talking with some friends, and obviously as Los Barillas grows, you know, there's naturally some growing pains, new people come, different yeah. ideas, yeah. stuff like that. But what, um, what Hope and I discussed was the fact that it's really not where you live, it's the people you share that community yeah. with. And that's the thing about Los Brillas that, you know, we haven't found anywhere else. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I was, geez, it's like deja vu. I was just having a conversation. Was it with you, Ivan, on the car drive out here? I was, before I got into real estate, I um, was doing IT consulting. And one of the assignments we were assigned on was in Iowa. And... Imagine Iowa, not too sexy of a place. It's not like going to Italy or something like that. Yeah. 
But the people that we worked with were amazing. Mm-hmm. And they came from all parts of the United States. And so it's the community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, first yeah. and foremost, the community. And, and, you know, one thing, too, I have to plug. When I say community here in Los Perales, <clears throat> I'm talking about the people that are born and raised here, the locals, mm-hmm. the, the people that have chosen to make this their home. Yeah. Also, the people that come here to vacation. You know, they're cut from a little different cloth. They're not looking for, you know, like a Cabo experience. They're looking for something a little more authentic. And so it's, it's, uh, it's like a good soup. You add all those different ingredients mm-hmm. together, and, and them, those things all together are what makes it great. If you took any one of them out, it wouldn't be the same. And you guys are very involved in charities, mm-hmm. and that's how we met, actually, yeah. at the Sinathon. So yeah. what kind of uh, charities are you guys involved in? Ooh. Uh, so there's the animals. So yeah. there's the SNAP, which is spay, neuter, and protection. Yep. Um, Prevention, sorry. Yeah. And then uh, with the animal rescue, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple for feeding the hungry, feeding the hungry and yeah. friends supporting families. Yeah. yeah. But the big thing for me, and, and again, I'm a planner. So when I retired, you know, my military pay got, went from full pay to a pension. Yep. It's enough to live on. It's certainly enough to live on in Mexico, but it's not a lot of extra. Yeah. But what we do have is time, yeah. you know, because we're retired. So that was our shift, is that we would invest our time um, in doing fundraisers. And um, as, uh, as you have come to learn, I have a bit of a big mouth. Um, people usually hear me before they see me. Um, and I guess I love the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> every time there's a fundraiser or someone wants to have a fundraiser, and it's not always with different organizations. I mean, like uh, Dr. Cristobal, the veterinarian here in town, needed an x-ray machine. So there, there was a big group of people that were helping him mm-hmm. and they needed someone with a big mouth. So they're, hey, Brian, will you be the MC? So I went and did that. And then uh, we did uh, a couple different times. There's been people, locals, that their family members needed to raise money for surgeries, for an operation, or this mm-hmm. or that. So we'll have a little fundraiser thing. Again, it's the community all coming together. I'm, I'm not the one leading this. It's different people. But then they'll usually say, hey, Brian, will you come you know, be the MC for this? Or do you have any ideas? Same with feeding the hungry. Um, they're our neighbors, the people that run it. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the first sign-a-thon that you did, that mm-hmm. Ronaval did, which thank you very much. That's yep. very generous. Um, they, they said, hey, we've been asked to go to this. You know, this is what we're thinking about doing. And I was like, mm. why don't we do this instead? It'll be more fun. And that's when we did the Bob Barker, uh-huh. you know, pr- uh, grocery game. And it just clicked and, and they ended up winning. And then so this year, um, some of the other charities like, Brian, you know, help us. So and, and it. it I love them all and I want to help them all. So this year I helped snap. Yeah. And so we had, you know, the little doctor operation game for snap and they got second. Yeah. Um, but feeding hungry, you know, they, they got first again, which was great. And so they were like, uh, they were like, Oh, I hope it's okay that we beat you. I'm like, no, that's great. You know, you're, you're taking the things we learned together right. and, the, yeah. and you're, you in, in package those together and you won. That's great. And, and there's no losers, you know, I mean, no. I mean, it, it was a great night and it was a great turnout. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, and I liked how um, we had the street yes. as yes. opposed to right in the office and then yeah. the surrounding local spaces. Well, and I can tell you too, that is um, now, you know, it's entrenched as, a, as an annual event that people right. look forward to. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that enjoy doing that. And it's so good the way that it's done as a, you know, come out and see what they do. Yep. So we've had so many people that are like, oh, I didn't know that you needed help. We'll volunteer our time. You know, right. we'll do this, we'll do that. And that was the case, even the, even the 
participants that didn't necessarily win a grant from Ronneville, mm -hmm. they got lots Other of people. volunteers. Just awareness, right? Awareness, exactly. Yeah. The exposure of the efforts. And then the ambulance, that was like a yes. late addition. Yeah. And as a result of, not, I don't think all the event, but part of it was due to the event that they were able to bring that ambulance mm -hmm. back to life. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge part of it. I think it was out of commission for like eight months mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just saw it at the uh, Oh, you did? at the fire station. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So it's it's operating now. Yep. Yeah. Back in back in action. Were the opportunities in Los Bariles for cuz there's been a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. um, I've had conversations with locals that are like it's too congested. I actually a couple months ago was in El Cardenal and there was an expat that had been in the area for a number of years. And she says, oh, what are you guys doing? Ah, oh, we're doing some promo stuff. Please don't. <laughs> like, don't. Yeah. And do you know Megan O'Leary? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she was yeah. with, yeah. Uh, with, yeah. uh, with us. And she said, no, I understand. Yeah. Like, I've been here for a mm -hmm. number of years. Um, we'll try to take it light. And that's the, the good and bad, right? With the growth mm -hmm. of things. It, talking to 30, 40-year veterans in Cabo. Cabo was like this, yep. yeah. right? Yeah. Once upon a time. And, but what are the opportunities that you see for Los Bariles for people that live here mm -hmm. and people that don't live here that maybe want to call Los Bariles home? Yeah. I think for me, the, the biggest opportunities are for the expat communities, the ones that are, that are um, invested here in the community. Not just, they don't just own a home here and they come here for a few weeks a year or even a few months a year, but they're really invested in seeing the community um, transition these growing pains, uh, it's really they need to get involved and they need to share their opinions and stuff like that, um, good and bad, yeah. uh, in a positive way, in positive dialogue, um, and then also try to support the local community and their efforts for infrastructure, you know, for, you know, better, better water, you know, better power and stuff like that. Um, it's easy for us to come down as expats. It's easy for us to come down, you know, build our house, not really think about trying to live like the locals live. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're planting a lawn and you're watering that and you're doing this. And, but these have real impacts on the broader community. Mm. So, I mean, you know, to, for me to sum it up, it's just, you know, get involved, get to know your neighbors, get to know the locals, yep. you know, understand what the needs of the community are. Um, one of the things I love, uh, one of the um, organizations that I do volunteer with, um, Yacht Aid Global, they are very big on not imposing uh, a, 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 you know, the, a solution that is dreamt up by someone from, you know, somewhere Southern else. California, somewhere right. else, and imposing it on locals, you know, because the locals have their own way of doing it. They've been doing it for a long, long time, long before we were here. Mm -hmm. So ask them what they think they need. You know, how can we help? How can we support you? Rather than going, oh, you need this, this, this. We're just going to build you a new, right. you know, house or whatever, you right. know. And so I think that just being involved and in, in, in talking to each other and helping each other out, you know, you know. Well, it makes a lot of sense. I think that, um, you know, we have opportunities at Ronnie Ball to expand into new areas. And that's one of the things I'm very mindful of the expansion that we've already done, that when we entered into the marketplace of Los Bariles a few years back, um, boy, it behaves a lot differently oh, yeah. than yeah. Cabo. It behaves a lot differently than Todos Santos or Loreto, mm -hmm. or La Paz, yeah. right? And so you have to be very respectful yeah. of that. Yeah. Otherwise, you just get crushed. Yeah, You know, you make a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. a lot of frustration. 
And there's, um, I, I see it in Cabo, you know, people that come from, I'm a, I want to own a bar. And so I'm going to have my ideas of how that gets done. Well, you were just saying, yeah. were we recording about people wanting to build a house yeah. in, oh. in the area? Yeah. And, you know, how many of the, how many times that I have had conversations with clients, they want to build a house, but they never built a house back home. Right. So it's just like this, yeah. just dream, this uh, romantic idea yeah. of doing something in, in Mexico. Yeah. And it, it's true. And, and I, I, do, um, I do some consulting with people that are trying to go through that process. And, yeah. and what I really try to do, like the builder I'm working with now and the owner I'm working with now, I really just try to be a mediator, almost like a therapist between a marriage counselor, if you will, between the two of them. You know, it's not about, you know, me going in and pounding on the desk to the builder and saying, right. my client wants this. Yeah. It's about also going to my client and say, that's not how they do it down here. Yeah. You know, in, you know, trying to make sure that they, their partnership is a good one and happy and yep. beneficial for both sides. And, um, and I think, and I see that a lot, you know, people come down here and they're like, well, I'm going to build a, a steel and glass house and blah, 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 and everything else. And I'm like, that is going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful. That's not how they build houses down here. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to have all kinds of problems. Right. So you got to be realistic and, 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 and try to tailor, tailor your dreams to what is within the skill set of the people that are here. hundred percent. Yeah. Guys, I appreciate you coming in. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, um, I look forward to next year yeah. at the Sinathon. Absolutely. Um, let me know if you have any ultra marathon or <laughs> extreme endurance type stuff. Absolutely. Um, if you need any exposure or sponsorship, <laughs> love to be a part of that. That's uh, the C to C Maramar. That I mean, I don't think many people. I never heard anyone talk about it in Cabo. So it's. The yeah. Iron Man, of course, and that just happened actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. Last November. November. Yeah. Did you? You weren't in it, but no. did you? It was just a half uh, Iron Man. <laughs> she did the one last year, but not yeah. the one this year. Yeah. But no, you're right. And the Mari Mara, I will say this though, it was it. It is very. I would say eighty percent of the people that because I was out there, I met a lot of the people doing mm -hmm. it. Eighty percent of them were from Mexico, the mainland, oh, cool. or something like that. Um, it's a very popular event. But yes, you're right. There weren't a lot of people from the peninsula itself. Yeah. Um, there were the one, what's the one tribe that, uh, the, from Copper Canyon. With, oh yeah. Yeah. The ones that run without shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or yeah. There were some of them. There were three of them. Yeah. Were I they was, the winners? Uh, the gentleman got third and I was passed by a lady in a long dress wearing sandals. I was like, yeah. what go, the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah. They're really short too, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. It, it is good. But I mean, Baja's incredible. Everything about yeah. it down here is so unique. It's so incredible. And, you know, I mean, we just have to, as people that live here, we have to be good stewards of that and protect it. Yeah. Very, you know, keep it, try to keep it as best we can, you know, that authentic and real thing. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for coming in. And um, Thank you. I know a lot of people are going to take a lot of value. They're going to love your stories. <laughs> and if you want to come and meet them, just come to Los Barriles because you guys are here year round, right? Yeah, we travel a little in the summertime. Mm -hmm. We use that as our opportunity yeah. to travel, but we don't own anything anywhere else. We live here full time. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Until the next one. Right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nick Fong Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Ronaval Real Estate. And follow Nick on Instagram at Nick Fong underscore Ronaval. 
Ready to find your Baja dream home? Check out the latest property listings at Ronovald.com or findmexicohouses.com. Hasta luego.